Welcome back to Signal Fire Radio, a show about ambitious leadership for ambitious leaders. Our guest today is Sam Blunt, photographer, historian, free diver, and Marine Corps veteran. Don't go anywhere. We have an awesome show coming up for you. Welcome back to Signal Fire Radio, ladies and gentlemen. Matt, do you want to uh, explain yourself? You've known our guest, Sam, for an awful long time, and you've been saying his name wrong the entire time. Well, we have to preface it. I haven't known him for an awful long time. How long I'm have you guys known each other for, Sam? I don't know, three, four years. Three, four years. Okay, all right. Well, that's yeah. long that's enough to, long. Know, <laughs> to know if his last name Sam, is pronounced Blount versus Blount. Blount. It's spelled B-L-O-U-N-T, and it wasn't until we just... Did an intro and you introduced him and then we had to re-record it because Sam's like, dude, that's not my last name. My last name is Blunt. 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 He did it. It was cool the way he did it. He was like, hey, guys, cut. He said, put some respect on it. Put some respect <laughs> on my name. We're going to talk about some cool stuff with Sam today. Specifically, we're going to talk about what it's like to free dive with Matt. I think that's an important subject that everybody wants to hear about. Leaving a legacy and then finding peace through photography. So, Sam, if you would just sort of introduce yourself, kind of your, your background, um, and uh, maybe start around the time that you got in the military up to here. All right. Uh, so joined the Marines in 2010, um, you know, knocked out my four years. And then when I got out, I uh, started going to school for a little bit. Kind of, you know, didn't enjoy school as much as I thought I was going to, so I decided to drop out and start a business to get that, you know, same quality of experience. Um, so I started Frontline Freediving, which is my freediving spearfishing shop here in Wilmington, North Carolina. Uh, Amazing merch there, right? I mean, mm -hmm. great T-shirts. Yeah, you, they, I see you show up on them all the time. I'm like, dude, I need to get one of those. The silkies. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, the silkies. That's silkies. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Sam. I didn't mean no, to you're good. You. Got tons of silkies if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <clears throat> so used that to travel a bit. Went to Costa Rica and, uh, you know, kind of all over the world. Uh, uh, ended up closing Frontline down last year and went to South Africa. Got stuck there for a few months and then sailed across the Atlantic back to here. Which, that story... That uh, yeah, story we just is, can't skip over stuff like yeah, that. No, like, that story yeah, is... We'll freaking. let you intro it and then we're going to get deep into those stories because... <laughs> <laughs> Um, and on that trip, uh, so four years ago, we had a buddy pass away uh, on a scuba diving accident. Um, and so we had gotten together and all tried to raise money and sink a ship for him. Uh, so that actually ended up sinking last summer. Unfortunately, I was stuck in the middle of the Atlantic because COVID got me stuck in Africa for three months. Um, since then, uh, I've started, uh, moved into the software space. And so I'm doing sales for a software startup. Like a, like a, a SaaS software yep. company? Evan, right on, man. Me you guys too. are two oh, nice. sassy software sales yeah, guys. Super sassy. Yeah, so it's called uh, Upsell. If any of you guys own Ooh, software hey, companies, plug right into the camera. <laughs> Upsell. Shout out, Evan. Who are you working for now? Mosaic. Mosaic. Are yeah, you guys nice. competitors or no? We're financial techs. So okay. Funny what? enough, I'm prospecting your company. Mosaic Tech. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I can put in a good word. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, so what happened with South Africa? So you were over there. You were just over there traveling, and uh, then so. I guess last November, um, a guy who I had spoken with on Instagram, we followed each other. He posted a map of the trip they were going to do from Durban, South Africa, around the Cape and across the Caribbean. I just posted on there, hey, man, that's a dream trip of mine. And he invited me. Uh, so we met briefly at a coffee shop. A couple weeks later, I flew to South Africa on March, uh, March 17th. 
was like the only non-South African flying into the country and got locked in their house for Yeah, because it was like six days later. I think it was the 23rd of March or something that things started happening yep. here. Yeah, yeah. The world shut Dude, down. Dude, you got to have a lot of trust to go from a cup of coffee to like, yeah, I'll go to South Africa with you. Yeah. Well, I mean, yes, man. When it yeah, comes yeah, to yeah. Travel, yeah. So. Were, you guys, were, you, were you guys just vibing or? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, you know, we just met on Instagram. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And we, so, met, we all met on LinkedIn, so it's yeah, no, true. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, super normal for diving people to meet yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, so I flew over there and then spent three months in a house with his parents, him and his girlfriend. Uh, couldn't <laughs> leave. You know, if you were outside, three months in jail. I don't know. No what, court date, no questions. Seriously? Straight to jail. Yeah. <laughs> they brought back the uh, the camouflage helmets and just beating heads in for oh, yeah. being outdoors. Was there was there uh, any contentious points of you living there with him and his girlfriend and his parents like for three months? At, no. Um, did you guys become they were good actually, friends or yeah, mortal yeah. enemies? No, it ended up being actually great. Well, we spent another two months, you know, sailing across the Atlantic yeah. together. So, um, no, his parents were amazing. Like, they took me in for three months when, you know, I just showed up on their doorstep. <laughs> Didn't know any of them. Um, and no, they're they're fantastic people. So, so did you get to did you get to do the dream trip that you had set out to do? Yep. It just got delayed by yeah ninety yeah, days. So, yep. Uh, after you know, finally it gets they better. Yeah, that's better. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to hear the whole thing. They uh, they lifted lockdown to like a reasonable level, and so this twenty seven year old captain, uh, it was his second time crossing the Atlantic. But he speaks Zulu fluently, and somehow he got us out of South Africa. We were the first private boat allowed to leave a dock in the country. Wow. Um, and so we leave, you know, didn't really have time to do a sea trial, right? Because we're just trying to get out of the country. Uh, funny enough, the fastest way for me to get home was to sail across the Atlantic. <laughs> <laughs> I think at the time, the uh, State Department had gotten like 40 people out of the country, 40 Americans out. Wow. Uh, that's rad. And so, you know, we leave Durban and we're headed down to Cape Town, got like perfect weather, but they had forgotten the entire return system for the second rudder on the hydraulics. So we only had one uh, one rudder the whole like time. Like just left it on, on the dock or? I don't know, just yeah. didn't install it. Didn't do didn't do a, a, a pre-transatlantic <clears throat> voyage safety check to yeah. <laughs> and so page yeah. Of the checklist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're headed down to Cape Town, you know, notorious like uh, going around the Cape there is like some of the worst seas in the world. Mm -hmm. um, and fortunately, we had, I mean, couldn't have been better weather. It was like two foot chop coming around. We went around Cape Vigilis at midnight. It was awesome. Lighthouse was going. Uh, and then we went around up to Cape Town, spent four days there trying to fix everything that was wrong. Uh, we left Cape Town. I think the next day, they reclosed the border. Oh, wow. And so they would, we would have been stuck in Cape Town for, you know, another two months or something. I can't remember what it was. Uh but being in Cape Town is like the only tourist in the whole you know, mm -hmm. city was incredible. Uh, yeah, so we left uh, left Cape Town and started heading to St. Helena. So that was about two weeks, just great conditions. I got real into bird photography, which we'll probably talk about yeah, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the whole reason I went on the trip, I'm a big history guy, so I really wanted to go to St. Helena. So we get there, and they would not let us on the island. Um, yeah, they had a two-week co co quarantine process, but for some reason they still wouldn't let us because we had to sit there for two weeks and not be at sea for two weeks. Uh, so after a few days, we ended up just going for a dive, swimming around. We found a shipwreck right off the coast there, and then we ended up heading on from uh, St. Helena. So my little brother's wedding was October 8th, and when I left for uh, when I left for South Africa, I had to be at his wedding. I had five months to make it to his mm -hmm. wedding, right? So now I'm three months locked in a house. And then a two-month trip across the Atlantic. And they weren't going to push the wedding back on, on Correct, account yeah, of you yeah. being there, yeah. right? Okay. Well, and I'm the best man. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> we Virtual were, best man? Yeah. That's no fun. Yeah. <laughs> so we are sailing hard. I mean, you know, it's a big charter boat, so it's not fast. And so we're flying a spinnaker, which is like a giant kite you fly out in front. Um, and so we're flying at night, flying at, you know, when we shouldn't have been. 
and a storm came up behind us. And so we're sailing along. The storm comes up. I'm on a watch. It's like 2 a.m. Uh, I run down and grab the captain. I'm like, I, I don't know what to do here, man. <laughs> um, oh, I also don't know how to sail. Okay. <laughs> so this whole time I'm thinking you're like a sailing yeah. extraordinaire. Like, you know? I can't even tie a knot, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where's the throttle? Yeah. So so I don't know how to sail, right? So I'm the unskilled laborer on the trip, which if you're gonna do that is incredible. Yeah. Like not uh did you I'm not sure you learned a ton though. Right? I did. Yeah. 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 Uh, so we're sailing along, the storm comes up behind us, it starts raining. And you guys have seen the intro to Gilligan's Island where it's mm-hmm. like light from the top, rain's coming in sideways. That's exactly <laughs> what it looks like when you're in a storm in the middle of the Atlantic and you tear your sail. And so this sail tears, falls, oops, falls down. Um, and so, you know, big waves, storm, raining, sideways rain, light coming down from the top, running down, grabbing the other guys. We're trying not to get swept overboard, pulling the sail in. Um, it ended up being a wild experience, but... So I text, Were you freaked out a little bit, or uh, yeah, it was yeah, a little nerve wracking, yeah, for sure. <laughs> that sounds yeah, like some the cortisol level spiking. Yeah. yeah, I know. I mean, I'm sitting here getting anxious, I'm and we're sweating. Yeah, we're <laughs> very comfortably inside of our studio. Did, yeah. did you grab your buddy and say, "Go get the bag of quaaludes"? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not dying. Get the loot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a total Wolf of Wall Street moment. Uh, um, so when you tear a when you tear a sail, I mean, do you do you carry extra sails when you're on a trip like that? So this was a you know. It wasn't our main sail. It wasn't our, you know. Um, so this was a spinnaker, right? So it's a big kite you fly out in front. So, oh, no so that's what broke. Yeah. Oh, okay. And so fortunately, it didn't fall in the water, which could have flipped the yeah flipped the boat. Um, it fell onto its own rope, and so you know we were able to pull it back in or whatever. But um, so I texted my brother that night, and I was like, "Hey, man, I'm not making the wedding." How are you texting him? Yeah, uh, I had a Garmin inReach. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so. We go on and somehow we caught like an eight knot current off Brazil. And so we ended up making it all the way up. And so we sailed into the back of uh, Hurricane Isaias, I think. It hit mm-hmm. here, right? Yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah. So I sailed into the back of that, trying to get to my brother's wedding. We get to St. Vincent. Uh, we, you know, finagled our way onto the island. You know, uh, two days later, flew back, flew to Miami. When I left Miami, Hurricane Isaias hit Miami two hours after. Landed in Raleigh, drove to Wilmington. Got my house ready for the hurricane. Isaiah rolled over, went back to Raleigh, flew to Colorado, and made it to my brother's wedding with like 36 hours to spare. Dude, you made it. So you made <laughs> it from South Africa to Colorado without an airplane during quarantine and, and the, the very start of the pandemic in five months. Give or take. I'm just thinking about, you know, in The Hangover when they're, like, driving down the freeway and, like, the tuxedo guys are, like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's what I'm imagining. Yeah, just, like, across the whole country and then across the whole ocean. That's insane, man. That's absolutely insane. Well, I want to go back to something you said. You said you're a historian and and St. Helena was somewhere that you really wanted to be. Why was that? What was the... So, um, you know, it was a big, uh, you know, the Dutch owned Cape Town. Mm Mm-hmm. And the British had St. Helena, and then they had Durban, you know, over on the east side of South Africa. Um, so, you know, just from that, that part is pretty interesting. But that was also where Napoleon was exiled for the second time. Mm-hmm. Right. And, I mean, it was really cool being there because every little drainage down into the ocean where you could, you know, possibly put a boat and put people on shore had its own, you know, wall, own, you know, defense building. Uh, so the whole island, I mean, it's basically a fortress. And it's incredible. It's huge. I mean, thousand feet tall cliffs right into the water. It's beautiful. Is this what was the movie that was from back in the eighties? Oh, here we go. Uh, uh, Papillon. Yeah, sure. That's, yeah, with Hells, right? Steve McQueen, wasn't it? it? Well, it had to do with like some dude that got exiled, and it was an island prison. It's a true story, and the dude ended up actually escaping. 
but then they remade it with uh, the Malik uh, Rami. A couple he's of good, years man. Ago. He's, he's really a good actor. Good. Anyways, it just reminded me of that, so I yeah. didn't know if it was. Um, so Napoleon died on Saint Helena. Um, he was exiled to somewhere in the Med the first time, maybe not Elba. Uh, anyway, can't remember. Um, but then he got you know escaped and then no, I don't know his, this. Okay, so, so he re-raised his army and it. basically took France back or took his empire back for a little while. You know um, what? Uh, we'll, we'll do it. We'll, do you want me to sing Waterloo to you? <laughs> Waterloo is a water park in you, Southern California. Do you want me Waterloo to you? Excuse me. <laughs> just, just before we move on, so this is a Papillon. It's a goofy-looking dog. It's also a banger of a movie yeah, yeah. starring Steve McQueen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw the one. There's one in 2017. That must have been the remake with Rami. Yeah. Then, okay. All right. Anyways, continue on, please, Sam. Where were I we? I think I was done. <laughs> think you were done. <laughs> well, we went from Durban to Colorado. Durban to Colorado. Um, so did you... De- uh, Obviously, that whole journey is a story in and of itself. You went out to do some very specific things, like to dive. And did you get to do enough of that to where you felt fulfilled from uh, from this? You know, I didn't really have any plans, right? right? It was an adventure. I'd hoped to dive more. Um, so the owner of the boat wanted his wanted to be a, start running charters. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we needed to get it there a little faster than we had hoped. Uh, you know, prior to the three-month lockdown, we had planned to kind of take our time, you know, spend like a week or two in St. Helena and, you know, just dive along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so unfortunately we only dove a couple times. Um, we dove with, uh, they were either, I think false killer whales in like 16,000 feet of water, which Whoa. is, you know, it looks the same as 200 feet of water. Please tell me you got some video or photos. Uh, I do have some photos. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, it, it looks the same as 200 feet of water, but 16,000 feet mentally feels very different. Really? You know, it's like, you know, that's long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's terrifying. That's a lot yeah. wide under the bridge. Yeah, and that was like right over the Mid-Atlantic Ridge, uh, you know, the continental plate that runs up the Atlantic. Did uh, did So it sounds to me like the, the captain, who'd only made one other transatlantic voyage, did a pretty good job, oh, all yeah. things being considered. And you said he, he was 27? Incredible. Like he, uh, I Dude, think the first time, huevos. he, so I, I'm probably gonna get some details wrong here, but he was like 17 or 19, I think 19 maybe, uh, when he became the captain of his first sailboat, and he sailed all over the uh, you know, east side of Cape Town, over to Madagascar, uh, east side of South Africa, over to Madagascar, spent a few weeks there, came back around to South Africa, and then across, and spent like nine months, I think, mm-hmm. just having a great time exploring. And uh, so that was his first trip, and then this was his second one. He's been a you know, charter captain in the Caribbean. Yeah, uh, between those two, that's super cool. And yeah. are you, are you, have you kept in touch with him? Yep. Yeah, yeah. they actually moved to Charleston, South Carolina. Really? Yep. From, but he was born and raised in South Africa. He was. Uh, his girlfriend Hallie live is from uh, Hickory, okay, North Carolina, and mm-hmm. that's sort of, you know, how I ran into them. Um, Instagram? Is this another Instagram story or? No, no. They met. How did uh, him and his girlfriend hook up? Her being from Hickory, uh, him. her and her family were on a charter on his boat. In the Caribbean, mm-hmm. and dude. so he Captain Ronda, dude. The world, <laughs> the world is getting tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. <laughs> He'd been at sea for nine months, right? I had never you know, seen a girl, and uh, so <laughs> it's, it's like it's some sea goggles. Yep, I smell progesterone. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so they did a charter. They ended up having a little fling. Uh, on the charter, and nice. that's how they met. <laughs> that's how every great story. I say it was like slow motion and Dreamweaver yeah. was playing in the Dream background Weaver. as she walked onto the boat, and her hair was glistening. <laughs> like, yeah, wait, but her, her parents were on the boat too. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, liberal parents, man. Whatever. Yeah, amen. Like, hey, amen. Have at it, honey. <laughs> we support you dating this. Uh, uh, no one knew this. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Very discreet. Very oh, yeah, very discreet. 
Uh, what, what did you learn from all this, this experience? Any lessons along the journey? Uh, sailing on a private boat's much more enjoyable than a Mew. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, I mean, I learned how to sail. Like, it was great. You know, I found, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of peace, right? Like, there was no responsibilities. It was just, you know, daily watches, you know, did a lot of stretching and working out and, like, mm-hmm. really kind of got my body back to where I wanted it to be, um, which was big, right? So, like, yeah. I don't know about you guys, but, like, a lot of guys, bad back, bad knees, Heck everything. Yeah. You know, losing some weight, stretching, being flexible helps a lot. Did you, know. you did you journal while you were doing this? I did. Yeah. You did? Okay. Yeah, good day. question. Yeah, because I've I've always wanted to get into that, but mm-hmm. I feel like doing like my day to day is is if I journaled my routine, it would be boring. Yeah. But something like that, like I would want to write that out. When have you gone back and read it yet? Yeah, a couple times. Um, I probably should have done that before coming today. No, 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 no. Stories, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's cool, man. Uh, I've never kept a journal before. You know, mm-hmm. I wish I had so much, like so many cool experiences through life. I wish I had documented because yeah. you know now I just remember like little highlights or like if I took some pictures or whatever. Yeah. Do you think you'll you'll put it into narrative form? Maybe write about it. I think that's an incredible story. Um, you know, I hadn't thought about it. I yeah, I should. You know, yeah. I shared all my pictures from it. You know, because I I would kind of chronologically being stuck in the house. Right? Mm-hmm. We had monkeys coming through every day, and you know, all sorts of cool stuff that you, know, you never see in the states. Uh, yeah, so you know, maybe I probably should do that. Uh, did you like uh, from my perspective? I mean, one of the things we talk about regularly on Signal Fire, and it sounds like you sort of did this, but a little bit later. So you got you got it in the Marines. You said in two thousand ten. Yeah. So out in fourteen, and then and then you sold your business in what nineteen? Uh, last year. Last year. Okay, so this all happened in twenty twenty yep. over the course of. So we talk about it a lot, like getting out of the military. At some point, it might not be the day that you exit. It could be a little while down the road. But to do exactly that, like take a spirit journey, mm-hmm. do the walkabout, take some time to just chill and relax. Was that for you mentally? Was like that, that this trip was that? Uh, yeah, I, I kind of did that uh, before, I guess, as I started Frontline. Because like the first year, I was just teaching. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'd be like, I want to go to Costa Rica. So I went to yeah. Costa Rica and taught for a few months. Um, yeah, you know, I taught a class at the base, you know, base of the Tetons in mm-hmm. Wyoming, uh, which was incredible. I mean, popping up, you know, you got Tetons right in front of you, Grand Tetons a couple over. That was a really neat experience. And then, you know, a lot of the winters, right? It was slow here, so I would do some trips here and there. Yeah, um, I kind of like to stay mentally. You know, take those trips for sure. your mental health. You know? Yeah, cool. dude, ask, ask him what. Actually, I can ask. Okay, him. yeah, you had don't tell me to ask. Dude, him share the story about like the impetus of like your. Because you were almost like obsessed with just holding your breath as a kid, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. or something like that? Uh, yeah. So how I got into freediving, um, I read a book when I was 12, like coffee table book uh, called Blue Water Hunting and Freediving by Terry Moss. Uh, I'm so glad I read that book, and that's why I got into it instead of getting into it beforehand. Uh, a huge part of that book was about safety. Mm-hmm. And so fortunately, I learned you know, not to hold my breath by myself in the pool, which will kill you. Um, and so if you black out, right? So I would sit on the couch at 12 years old and hold my breath till I'd pass out. But you know, at least I wasn't doing it in the water. You were a perfect candidate for the United Sam, States Marine Sam Corps. Sam takes yeah. a lot of naps. Oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, we're going to have to take a really quick break. But when we come back, so you're a historian and your family history is like unbelievable. Just I'll give it a little tease. Um, your great, great grandfather? Uh, many, you know, I've never actually mapped it out, but somewhere back there. Somewhere back there, yeah. one of your one of your grandfathers, however many degrees back, signed the Declaration of the Independence, and you've got a whole family history. Can I catch a the in there? It's an extra the. What did I say? The Declaration, <laughs> the Declaration of the Independence. Of, <laughs> did I say the, the Declaration the of the Independence? Yeah, hell yeah, man. It's the Independence. <laughs> 
Declaration of Independence. And then you've got a lot of other people who made a huge impact on American United States history. So when we come back, one of the things I said I want to talk about, because I've been thinking about it a lot, is like the importance of leaving a legacy. And so we'll talk about that with Sam Blunt, our guest. Don't go anywhere. Be right back on Signal Fire Radio. At the VBC, we believe there are three things that a veteran stands to lose when they leave active duty which can contribute to increased struggles and stress once they enter the civilian sector. The first is a sense of purpose that they have while they're serving their country. The VBC can provide this by allowing them to serve each other in a new capacity again. The second is a sense of belonging to a community who understands and accepts you for who you are regardless of where you come from, what your quirks are, uh, how strange or weird you might be, uh, what kind of jokes you might tell. Everybody laughs and accepts you for who you are, uh, and they're even willing to die for you. It's a little different when you enter the civilian workplace. By participating in the Veteran Business Collective, you have the opportunity once a month to get together with like-minded people who will accept you, and you can regain that sense of camaraderie that you had in the military. The third thing is economic stability and success. When you're in the military, the paychecks come in every two weeks, you're provided housing, and health insurance is taken care of. When you leave service, you have to source all those on your own. And it can be uh, a quite challenging undertaking for someone who's never uh, had to do so in the civilian workplace. The Veteran Business Collective helps with that by providing referral business, networking opportunities, education and training, uh, mentorship, and a host of other resources to help veterans and their families succeed economically. Signal Fire Radio. Welcome back to Signal Fire Radio. Got a great conversation with our guest Sam Blunt going. Evan, Matthew, I have a question for you guys. Okay. Because it's been, it keeps me up at night. I don't know if it does the same with you, but legacy, the feeling and importance of leaving a legacy and ultimately how you will be remembered after you are gone has been very important to me as of late. I don't know why, probably because I'm a dad now and I think that changes things and my parents are getting older and so like all these things are coming together and I've been thinking about it. Do you have you guys given thought to that? Is that something that's on your on your radar? Are you doing different things? You say yes, Evan? Yeah, for no, sure. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's on mine too. How so, Ev? We'll start with you. Um, you know, it's exactly what you said. It's it's about your legacy. It's about what you leave behind. And I think maybe some of that is is you thinking about like you know like Arlen just had surgery mm -hmm. and sort of that brush with mortality. Like you never know what could happen. You never know what could go wrong. We kind of have to think about that in our own lives. Too. I didn't think that we were going to make it back to my house last night. And that's why I wear this bracelet. You know, it's it's a cross and a skull because mm. it's a it's memento mori. You know, like yeah. death is always there. You're closer to death than you are to being born at any point in your life. You never know when it's going to happen, but that doesn't mean you should be afraid of it. You but put you put our our sweet Matthew in the hands of potential death last I night, didn't, didn't you? I didn't. We were we were under control. You we were under has, control. Man has ice in his veins. All right, but. <laughs> To your point, no, I think I think that leaving a legacy is one of the most important things that we can do, mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be some like prolific. Where do you think thing. It, Where do you think it starts? Because that's the question I've been asking myself right now. Is I somebody, think it's, it's leaving the world better than you found it. Mm -hmm. You know, because you're not people aren't going to remember Rob Renz's corpse. They're going to remember what, what he left behind. Yeah, you know, you can leave behind a, a gorgeous golden-haired corpse, mm -hmm. but people are going to remember your legacy. They're going to remember your name and, and what it stood for and the things that you're, you know, your contributions to to the world. Yeah. I feel like I, I, what's been, what's been <clears throat> not worrying me, but what I've been mulling over is like, at what age does it begin? 
You know, so like right now I've been super focused on building a personal brand and a reputation. And I, I feel like more and more, the more I think about it, like reputation turns into legacy. So like a well-established yeah. reputation applied daily over time. At some point you're going to be dead and that's your legacy. Yeah. That's when you, when you hit the off switch, that's when it turns into your legacy. Yeah. yeah. Is that, is that, bucket. is, uh, you know, cause I also believe that all the choices you make in your twenties will determine what your 30s are going to be like. And then likewise, 30s for 40s, 40s for 50s. Like these decades sort of build on each other. But I don't think they define you. No, they don't. And that's the question I was going to ask you. Is it ever too late to start defining your reputation or sort of setting your your vision on what your legacy is going to be? I don't think people's cores change, Mm -hmm. right? Like you are who you are. You can can add to it. You can take away from it. But like if, if you're just a dirt bag, you're mm. probably going to stay that way. Dirt because bag you're not, not going to want to do the work to change. But yeah. I think that it's not too late to start something. We started a podcast when we were 30. Yeah. Well, I was 30. You guys are old as hell. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> um, you know, it's it's not too late to, to try new things. You're on Instagram like a 13-year-old Ryan Miles. Man, I'm doing so. TikToks, baby. I know. So yeah. It's, All it's, herky-jerky weird no, dances. I think it's, I think it's um, you know, it's about being open-minded and yeah. being growth-minded. What do you think, Matt? Is the elder statesman of Signal Fire... I mean, me personally, like, yeah, it's something I, I think about, and I, it starts in, it start it starts off with the legacy that I leave just as a dad mm-hmm. and as a husband. Yeah, you that's know, the so. most important one. Like, what will Ryan and Reagan? What will Liv and Maddie? What will what will Junior and Lou say about uh, Tim? Do you have kids? No, not yet. Okay, all right. No. Eventually, we'll we'll throw your kids in the mix. But like, what what will they say about you? How will they remember yeah. you? That's yeah, yeah. I think that's priority one. Yeah, and and I I heard it explained. Um, or I heard a story once, and I think it was at a funeral. But you know, your your legacy part part of it's like kind of defined by like if you have a funeral, who's in attendance at that mm-hmm. funeral? Like Michael Mike passed away, you know, the start of the summer, and his legacy was profound because of the role that he played within the Catholic Church back in in, in Orange County. But at his funeral, I mean, the the church was packed with like. 1500 people or something. I mean, it it was, it was epic. And I think that is a testament to, you know, what legacy are you leaving behind? Right. Um, So yeah, it's something that is on my mind and I'm, you know, I, 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 I try to use it to like impact positive changes that I make in my life for that very reason and for that vision. Sam, you've had a few brushes with death over the past eight or nine months. It seems like what's your, what's your take on it? Um, you know, I I don't really care if people remember me, per se. I, I just don't um, – never felt that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like what you were saying, leaving the world better than you found it, right? So, like, I don't care that much, but I want to leave things better, right? Mm-hmm. So whether it's through, like, social impact or, you know, environmental, whatever you're doing, as long as it's, you know, leaves, leaves a little better than you found it. Yeah. Selling dope software. Selling yeah. dope software. <laughs> Couple of sassy guys. Um, so, so you do have a uh, your historian, and you've got a very deep family history. Tell our listeners a little bit about that, and we'll sort of tie that all into this legacy conversation. All right. Um, so, William Blunt, uh, who signed the Declaration of Independence, not to be confused with William Blount, who's a totally different person. <laughs> yeah, correct. Bill, old Bill Blount. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, right, so we're talking about legacy. So what you haven't heard about William Blunt is that he was also the first politician to be impeached in our history. Really? Um, Do you but, know what for? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was yeah, it for? Yeah. So 
I love this. Are we um, going to get canceled because of this? Or? I hope uh, it was I will somebody 300 years ago. So I'm going to start with, remember, times were different. Yeah. Um, and so he was, uh, I'm not sure if it was governor or whatever they called it, of the Tennessee Territory. Um, and he was having an issue with uh, the local tribes and, you know, where they were attacking and everything. So he, you know, this is before Louisiana Purchase. Uh, so, so we're talking Native Americans. Yes. Uh, and so he told the U.S. Army, or Ar- yeah, U.S. Army, uh, that the French were attacking. And so they came down. Obviously, the you know, Native Americans attacked the army, and then they you know, took care of the Native American problem. Uh, and oh controversial. And told I'm, a little white lie there, huh? <laughs> and uh, General Milley. We call that one the old Milley one-two. <laughs> the Milley two-step, yeah. Uh, and I believe he also may have been selling arms to the Native Americans in Florida uh, who were you know, fighting the Spanish, and I, I'm not sure how that tied in, but... Dude, it was like OG Iran yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Sandinistas in yeah, Nicaragua. Yes. Yeah. Seven, yeah, the Fast and Furious of the History 1760s. Itself, doesn't it? Jeez. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, like you're saying, right? You know, as long as you do some good in there, that's yeah. usually what you'll be remembered for. So, yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> so, so, when did he get impeached then? Um, yeah, I'm not exactly sure. Okay. But, but for that, but that had to have happened before the Constitution... Was signed in eighteen or seventeen eighty seven, right? Uh, I'm not exactly. Okay, sure. all right. We'll piece yeah. together the timeline. All right, yeah. sorry. It was Continu- after I imagine the signing. Of yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. They they were they were keeping some dirt on yeah. on William Blunt for a little while there. Just <laughs> you for- can't say France is attacking when France is attacking. <laughs> <laughs> and thus started. It's like saying bomb on and an thus airplane. Started the War of eighteen twelve. No, sorry. All right, conti- <laughs> continue with the story of William Blunt. Um, you know that's you know that's most of what I you know yeah. worth sharing. Um, you know. Came down a couple of generations. Uh, my granddad, uh, you know, he was a B-52 pilot during World War II. He ended up uh, just training. This uh, is your dad's pilot. dad? Dad's dad, yeah. Um, so he got out and went to Atlanta and bought four Army surplus uh, bulldozers and started digging ponds in Eufaula, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And so that business ended up growing, uh, and he ended up growing into a pretty big uh, construction company. And, you know, he ended up building the Superdome in New Orleans, uh, the university in Saudi Arabia, some cool stuff like that. Um, <laughs> some nonchalant about yeah. building and the, the freaking Superdome. The Superdome. Yeah. yeah, but then, like, talking about legacy, right? So he, he was from, uh, or they lived in Montgomery, Alabama. And I'm not sure if he knew Martin Luther King, but he uh, got together with several hundred business owners in Alabama. And, you know, they all signed a declaration about you know, equal rights and everything. And so, you know, for quite a while, my dad, all his siblings, they had to walk around at night with shotguns because they were, you know, the KKK was threatening on burning crosses in the yard and stuff. Uh, so this was still in Tennessee. Uh, this is in Alabama. In Alabama. Yeah. Are you from Are you from Montgomery? Uh, from Birmingham. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they did that, and so he was a big, big supporter of the civil rights movement. And then, you know, later on in life, uh, ended up selling his company, and he took that money and he built this huge cultural park called the Alabama Shakespeare Festival down there. Big museum. Uh, uh, there's a, you know, big. Shakespeare th- uh, stage kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, and it's you know a couple hundred acres I think, and it's this huge cultural park that's you know there for free for everyone you know to go to. So it's you know, it's pretty cool, right? It's yeah. always full of school buses and kids going there, and uh, you know that's sort of to me his legacy is you know he left Alabama way better than you know he found it. Mm-hmm. So. Did now you said you earlier in the first segment you said you went to school, hated it, dropped out. Were you going to school in Alabama? No, that was uh, UNCW. Oh, UNCW. Yep. Oh, so that's what brought you here to Wilmington. Yeah. So when I got out, I was trying to find a place with good spearfishing, uh, a school I could get into, and not Florida. Yeah. And so it was pretty much here at Charleston. Why not Florida? Uh, 
I don't like Florida. Because because William Blunt was selling arms no, no. to the Indians <laughs> in Florida to fight the Spanish. The yeah. Yeah. Vasco da Gama had to get him out of there. <laughs> I don't like traffic and okay. people that much. Uh, yeah. So it's just too crowded down there. Um, I lived down in Key Largo for a little bit as a kid. Uh, so I, I knew I didn't want to live there. Holding your breath on the couch at Key Largo, yep. making yourself pass out. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, I wasn't getting into school in Charleston, so I ended up here. I love it, man. And you've just decided to stay. Like, this is home now? When you're yeah. not going to Costa Rica or South Africa? Yep. Or... Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Um, it's the first place I've ever lived that I wasn't ready to go in a year, so. Yeah. So what's next for you, then? Uh, l- like, living-wise? Or... Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, just oh. in general. Like, you, you've got all these great life stories. You've got yeah. an amazing history. You know, you're, it, it seems to me that you're very conscious about not necessarily how you want to be remembered, but what impact you have on the world each and every day. So, like, what's what's the next big idea for Sam? Yeah, um... You know, right now I'm going through a career change, right? Went from, you know, having a free dive spear fishing shop, being an instructor, you know, I was decent at, um, and total career change into software sales. And so, I'm, you know, it's, it's incredible. Like, I'm super excited. I'm learning constantly. And, you know, I don't know anything mm-hmm. uh, relatively to where, like, I was. And so it's been cool not being an expert and having to, like, really start at the bottom and uh, grow from there. Do you find that, uh, has that always been a part of you? Because you said you had no idea how to sail. You're going across the Atlantic. You're you're on watch in the middle of the night when everybody else is asleep. So you have no idea what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> you, you started a, a business when you probably had coming directly out of the Marine Corps, probably had little experience knowing how to actually run a business. I have no idea. And now getting into an industry that you have does that go all the way back to holding your breath on the couch? Or did that did that like desire to just try new things and not be worried about the consequences or the result of it? Did that happen later on in life? Uh, I'd say I grew into it a bit. Like, I, there's definitely parts of that in my childhood. I get bored easily, right? So, like, you know, I'd get into a hobby, like, super into it, get above average, and I'd probably move on to the next one. Um, so that, that's sort of always been a trend. Um, yeah, and then I like the excitement, right? Like, I get bored after a few years of doing something, um, I'm ready for a change. Yeah, yeah. And is that is that what brought on the bird photography? Uh, so that uh, that was just being stuck in house in South Africa for three months. Uh, yeah. When we pulled into Cape Town, I found a photography shop that had a bird lens because I noticed on that first leg of the trip, you know, we had all these birds just flying right behind us the whole time. Uh, so that's kind of how I got into the bird photography. Right. Uh, when I got into underwater photography because of Frontline, uh, I started doing that for like marketing purposes. Ended up loving it, and you know, it ended up being the best thing for my business because you know it's such a social media-driven mm-hmm. thing. So I was able to create my own content instead of just you know hoping people would share stuff with me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so really got into photography because of that, and then I kind of found a, you know, it's like hunting or snowboarding or hiking, whatever it is, just getting out in nature and just you know being out there is yeah what I like. So hold that thought. We're going to talk a little bit more of that about that on the end of the uh, uh, on the other end of this break. Don't go anywhere. We're going to finish our conversation with Sam Blunt here on Signal Fire Radio. The explosion hit. I I lost consciousness. There was another soldier. He was directly under the blast. And when I was doing my my check for casualties, uh, that's when I found him. I hadn't had to see anything like that up until that point and that is the the one thing that i see on a regular basis is this kid he was 19 years old my name is james rodriguez i'm a veteran from fayetteville north carolina and i support the compassionate care act senate bill 711. 
one deployment story completely changes uh, a, a veteran. They don't feel like they have any other options a lot of times, and they, when they feel like they're alone, they have no reason to go on. The VA had me on 12 different medications, and that's exactly what I used uh, to, to attempt suicide. Medical cannabis um, has been able to treat so many different symptoms of my PTSD. Everyone has different symptoms and different ailments. North Carolina as a whole can benefit from medical cannabis. Visit ncfamiliesformedicalcannabis.com for more information. Signal Fire Radio. Welcome back to Signal Fire Radio, having a really, really fun conversation with our guest, Sam Blunt. And Sam, is, you're in, you got into photography. Have you, you had no passion for this. Well, no, uh, you just decided to pick it up and start clicking pictures, right? Yep. Just to, as a way to... Are you familiar, are you familiar with, with PictureGate, of the Matt Mylot PictureGate? I'm not. Okay. Devin, do you want to? No. Matt needs to tell us. Matt, Matt, share your yeah, story. Yeah, share your story. So I, I served in Iraq for the invasion in 03. Thank you for your service. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your kind words. <laughs> um, and every year on 9-11, God, God bless my family, but, and it's just my immediate family. It's my mom and my sister. They post this picture. It gets a lot of shares, though, from from the... That's the part that makes me so nervous is there's people that I don't know that my my mom or my sister knows that are like, oh, God bless. And I'm like, who is this? Anyways, <laughs> yeah. I have no idea who this picture is. It's a picture of a Marine, like, in, you know, with a Kevlar on and... Pre-Marpat, too. Like chocolate chip candy. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. No, that's not chocolate chip. That's tricolors. Ooh. Chocolate chip was Desert, Desert Storm. Storm. That was like... Raw, there, that was so raw. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. Arnold Schwarzkopf. I was, I was 11 during Desert Storm. Yeah. Ass. Um, Norman Schwarzkopf. That was the... Yeah. yeah okay. I said Norman Arnold. I, I, I combined Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a funny character. But every year they post this on social media. And it's a picture of a troop holding like his rifle, an Iraqi flag, and then an Iraqi like shaking his hand and like kissing him on the cheek. It's not me. I don't know who the hell it is. Stolen valor. And You're I've, out there. Let us know who you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's and – and I've told my mom this. I'm like, Mom, I don't know who that is. I, it's not me. It's definitely not me. The, and, and that's the best part. The dude looks like he's five – like five, five. It's – I'm going to pull it up. I'm yes, going to pull it up. up. It's, it's not me yeah. at all. And we'll, we'll, we'll Are share you it. sure it's not you? Because you black things out. Yeah, you sure uh, it's I'm not you. Positive, it's not. It's very obviously, and he's carrying like an M sixteen. Fair A2. question. None of none of that was. That's, me. It's a very fair question because some of the details could line up. The face is obscured for sure. Um, Did you not carry an M sixteen A two when you invaded Iraq? Yeah, of course you carried an M sixteen A two. No, I no no no. Huh? What what were you? What what was your service weapon? Uh. All right, here he goes. Here he goes. Whatever. Here's, here's the photo. And we'll, if you're watching us on our YouTube channel, we'll we'll, we'll flash it up. <laughs> can you tell that that's well. not me by looking at that picture? Can you tell that that's know, not man. him, or can ah, you tell that it is him? Right? Kinda, yeah. Uh, kind of looks like you. Yeah. Getting a little, like getting a little love from the locals. Yeah. Square kinda jaw. Like you. <laughs> square jaw, button oh. nose. It could very well be you, Matt. No, and the on cheeks. Top, like all <laughs> the of this cheeks, is, yeah. is not me. Totally not me. And not to mention the the NVG mount. Mm-hmm. I would not have that mount on my Kevlar unless I was using night vision. Why? Oh, unless you because because it's daytime. It's daytime. Yeah, and, <laughs> correct. Yeah, 
and I would I and I I would always wear the the head net. Mm-hmm. So like I would actually wear mount it to my head underneath my helmet. And you're so you are a thousand percent pressure? certain oh, that this see. isn't you. That is Why? not me. You are hundred percent sure. So so it's is brilliant, Sam. Because so September of 2020, I think was the first time that we got notified of Picturegate. Yeah. And. It was all reconfirmed September of 2021 it because, way like clockwork, yeah, like clockwork. I start one seeing, year ago today. I start yeah. seeing posts of Matt's family putting up this picture, and of course, I screen grab it yeah. and I send it to Matt, and I'm like, "It's back. It's the made content, its way back the into content and the context change, but the yeah. picture is the same. That's a framed picture in your parents' house. I, it has I, to I be. Imagined. No, it's not. No, no, no. It's in a. Uh, Where like does my, the picture sit? Yeah, it's Wh- in a scrapbook that my mom made just for my Iraq deployment. Yeah, when is scrapbook my mom made? When is the next time your mom is coming to visit? Because I wanted to bring the scrapbook, Uh, and I want all of us to be together. She'll be here this fall. Like we're gonna turn the cameras on, and it's gonna be. Dude, we've never had a parent on. That would be. We're not. My mom would be a blast too. Yeah. On the show. Yeah. (laughs) Can we have Robbie Renz? We no. Please no. Come on. Who? My mom. My mom. I'd make I'd make her sit there and you can sit outside. No, yeah. because our I feel like our moms are very similar. Yeah. As far as their personality and like how probably. fun they are and yeah. they can throw down and, yeah. yeah. I don't know that mom would want to do it. Dad would sit here and talk about nothing for hours on right. end. Yeah. But he wouldn't be able to sit down because he'd be like this. Yeah. Yeah, he he'd do the colonel stand the, the entire colonel. time. The do you guys ends. find do you guys find that you uh mimic behaviors of one parent over another? No. I, I, dude, and I, it's okay. I, I love let my it dad, go. Let it but go, buddy. so many things that my dad does, I have found myself doing. Like what? Just like, um, and I will validate, like the way I'll he validate sits, this. The way, he, if he walks into the living room and sits down at the couch, like mm-hmm. I'll watch him. I'm like, I sit that same freaking way. I called Matt Dillon Jr. one time. And Deep, he yo, he lost <laughs> it. Yeah. I remember that was on a text and he got super he didn't mad talk about to me it. for two days. I think. It had to do with the context of what was going it did. on. It's because you thought I you loved my dad. Picture. Uh, well, no, there was a very horrible picture that <laughs> and you your, took of me. You were, that's one of my favorite pictures. You, ever, were, you were shooting the bird yeah. on, on camera, <laughs> and you looked you looked haggard, man. I did. Your knuckles looked like Robin Williams. It was <laughs> Robin Williams knuckles. <laughs> it was, it was, know, it was a bad picture. Of can me. I it tell was, you? It was unflattering. Can I tell you something that that you and uh, you and Dylan both do? I've told you this at your house. Go ahead. It makes me wildly uncomfortable. Evan, they come and stand behind you. <laughs> no, I do that intentionally. I know you. you do it now, but Dylan does it unintentionally. And yeah. so so I do not like it. I do not like it if I'm sitting there. It doesn't there. help that Dylan's four. I know. Four eleven and <laughs> a little <half>. leprechaun. <laughs> yeah. 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 I do not like it if I'm sitting there and somebody comes and stands yeah. behind me. Like it is the most infuriating, <laughs> nerve-wracking. My anxiety level goes to a million. And Matt kept. Doing it, and, and, then, and what <laughs> makes it even better is I'll touch him. Yeah, like t- I, t- he's like, stop it. Even now, dude. just talking about it is is giving me agita. But then Dylan on cue comes over <laughs> and starts standing hey, behind me, doing, "Hey hippie, hey what's up hippie?" Standing right <laughs> hey, behind me and like rub and like putting his hand on my shoulders. I'm like, I'm gonna lose it. Old I'm, old Dilly Dilly's supposed to be swinging by here. Is he? Yeah. Oh, we'll give him five minutes on the microphone for sure. For sure. Well, you just asked if we could have a parent on. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Anyways, anyways, <laughs> back to our guest. Moving right on, moving right on. But yeah, uh, so I, I asked the question: Do you mimic anything that your parents do? 
because I'm finding that I stand like my dad. My dad always stands like this with his hands like on the small of his back and his elbows splayed out. And he looks like a good Marine Corps officer every single day. Yeah. He's well, well seven shaven, feet tall. Very square tucked jaw. in collared shirt, yeah. wore yeah. jeans out to Mason's Inlet one day. <laughs> God bless. Had a polo shirt on, a belt, jeans. <laughs> And shoes. he's standing in the water. No, in white jeans. New Balances. Full dad. dad. Full, full Steve Jobs He goes full dad. dad. Yeah, he goes full dad. Do you, are you, do you, like, are you sliding further and further towards one parent, Sam? Um, you know, my mannerisms, uh, there's a picture of me when I was like five. Mm-hmm. And I had the exact same mannerisms I do now. I'm like playing with my fingernail, standing with one leg crossed over. Holding your breath till you pass out. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I'll, t- I'll notice. I'll try and notice next time I'm with them. Yeah, see if I am. How so? Uh, how long can you hold your breath for? A little over five minutes. Five minutes. So we could. We've got about five minutes left on this show. That would be very boring. That would be. Well, boring. the three of us will talk <laughs> while Sam's just sitting there holding his breath. Yep. Did He's you still <laughs> hold it? <laughs> Did you? And obviously, you have to build up to that. Yeah. So let's say, like, because I, I have. We went out on the boat yesterday. It was cathartic as crap. And I've, I've been on mad about wanting to spearfish and wanting to learn to free dive and all that stuff. For a noob, total beginner, like, what, what are you coaching them to do if they wanted to get into? Yeah. So um, I'm going to preface this with learn the safety part first. Read the, uh, read the book. The, read the book. Read the book. Yeah. Preferably take a class from a good instructor. Um, you know, one that. That is notoriously tough. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I will say that at least in like the southeastern U.S., like the people that I've known in the diving community from Virginia down to Florida, Frontline has been known for being very, very safety oriented. Yeah. And I mean, some very seasoned free there's, divers. There's, there's certain places where you want sticklers. Yeah. So like the shooting range yep. and the free diving. Yep. It's yeah. like, I want a stickler. I yeah. don't want like some Lucy. Well, yeah, guy. man, no, we're just yeah. going to jump in the water and you're going to be good, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, when yeah. I, when I first met Sam, it, I, you had just came, come out with the, the bleed kit or the trauma kit, yep. which it, you've seen it, right? The little orange negative dry, dry bag. Anyway, I have no reference for what you're saying. You I, I take it everywhere on, on my boat and I always take it when I'm diving, but it's, it has a full bleed kit of just, see, you're not, you're not a very good instructor when it comes to being out on the boat or out on the water. You gave zero prep about anything at all whatsoever. I, that was completely <laughs> intentional. I was like, I was like, let's I was like, get in the water. I'm like, fine. Okay. It was like, it yeah. was like swimming through milk. Yeah. yeah. I saw, yeah, my, I couldn't see, you couldn't see your hand yeah. a foot in front of you. All right. So anyways, safety first. Yeah. Right. So, um, this, you know, the sport, if you, black out and you're alone, you're going to die pretty mm-hmm. much. Like I know of like two that didn't. Uh, but if you have a buddy, you have a hundred percent survival rate. So that's a big thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I don't know about you guys, but like when I got out, I struggled to make good friends. Mm. And so I kind of fell more in love with free diving because it's the one, really the one thing I've found since leaving the military where you rely on someone to save your life. A hundred percent. Yeah. You, and you so, got a battle buddy. You know, I'm not going to say it's like the same depth of friendship you have with the guys that you, you know, miserable with for four years, but it, it's pretty pretty damn close. Uh, so anyway, after the safety stuff, you know, in in two days during my class, I most people had a three minute breath hold and would dive to sixty six feet. Sixty six. Yeah. Feet. That's far. Yep. I don't think I've been deeper than like sixteen or seventeen feet in the pool. Yeah. Well, I, a I lot would, of technique. I would agree. Yeah. Well, so what are some of those? Well, like if I'm gonna DIY, if I'm gonna sit on the couch, like what are some things that I can do without being in the pool or being you know, in the ocean with you. um, You know, the way we breathe, uh, we call it ventilations, but you take a quick breath into your diaphragm. So you're not breathing into your chest like most of us breathe. Uh, If you guys have ever seen like a child 
yeah. breathe, Belly right? Breathing. Their stomach. Mm-hmm. That's how we're supposed to breathe. Yeah. Uh, social pressures, right? Nobody wants to run around sticking their gut out. I do. I'm a uh, power lifter. Excellent. I'm all, I'm belly breath. Belly breath all day, <laughs> baby. Yeah. So Jenna does that because she was a singer. So I, I guess that's probably the same technique. Where you yep. breathe, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so when we inhale, our heart rate increases, and we exhale, it decreases. So you do a quick inhale into your diaphragm and a real slow, like, 8, 10-second exhale. And so that'll start dropping your heart rate. You know, after a minute or two of that, take a big breath and just hold your breath. Go as long as you can. Feel some contractions. And then do it several more times. Uh, as you hold your breath, your dive reflex will kick in. Your heart rate will continue to drop, and you'll, you'll end up holding your breath longer. What is, what is the dive reflex? So... Uh, we think it's, you know, a hangover from back when, you know, through evolution, right, you know, we evolved out of the water. And so it's the same exact thing that happens to seals, whales, dolphins. Uh, our blood shunts to our core. So, like, if you guys are ever in the pool and you notice you, like, want to pee a lot, that's because your blood is pulled to your core. Your kidneys think there's too much fluid and they're trying to flush. Mm. Uh, your heart rate drops significantly. Uh, and, yeah, so, you know, a combo of those things is what happens to, you know, uh, ocean mammals when so, they do a dive same so, exact thing so there's an extreme amount of like physiology and and anatomy and body science that goes into all of this too as well mm-hmm. it's so you just don't want to jump in the water go down yeah. and come back up you could really permanently injure yourself yeah i mean worse. It's, it's a good idea to get instruction you know as long as you're diving safe with a buddy and you guys take the time to like learn the rescues and practice them i mean you don't have to take a class yeah but it's going to take that learning curve from being very long to you ramp up really coaching quick. coaching in something like that is i feel like yeah non- yeah non-negotiable, yeah, non-negotiable. <laughs> it's not like hey i want to learn to play golf you know you can go yeah, out there you can by get yourself on YouTube, yeah the <laughs> only thing in the world you don't want to do on the golf course is be out there in a lightning storm holding up you know a nine iron yeah that's really about the only sure. safety brief that you need for a round check. of golf yeah. although i did hit a human being i haven't hit a hole in one i've been playing golf hit, so a so hit a human being tim horst Tim Horst. I haven't told you this story? No. Yeah. Okay. Totally off topic from free diving. I went golfing with Tim Horst and a couple other people, Sean uh, McDonald and a few other people from VBC. And uh, we go play Castle Bay. I par the first hole and feeling really good about myself. No, we didn't ask about that. I'm leading up to hitting the human. Hole two, I bomb my drive, middle of the fairway. Tim, Tim's feeling really good about himself. He's like, okay, I'm playing with a decent golfer. I don't have to worry too much. I'm about five feet behind him and <laughs> 10 feet to the left of him addressing my second ball. <laughs> I go, Club I swing. Choice. Club choice. I think it was a seven iron. I think I was like 160 out. Okay. And yeah, accessible flag no location. Not, not from 170. No, I know. Yeah, so I, I, I blade it right off the toe of the club. <laughs> Tim is sitting in the golf cart, and this thing is on a beater, and it tags him His right missile. in the calf, man, 100%. 100% tags him in the calf. Tim, he's a Marine veteran too, but helicopter pilot type, gets out and starts like kind of walking it off. He had a purple Dimple imprinted golf ball right on his calf. I felt kind of bad about it. Did you swing 100, like full swing? Oh, yeah. I was, yeah. Yeah, full swing. 
And Full you just swing. scold the ball. It was yeah. just a line drive right But see, here's the thing, and we could probably end with this. I laugh when people get hurt. Am I the only person who does that? Like, if it's not a serious... Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's, it's best not a serious it's injury. <laughs> it's best when it's... <laughs> if it's serious, it's just, I mean, he didn't uh, drown, so we're good, right? Dude, <laughs> I was doubled over in hysterics laughing about it. I'd have got kicked off, for yeah. sure. I'd have yeah. been, been... Well, with your with your laugh, when you have your genuine laugh, like, that thing is loud and it carries. Yeah, they'd have to drag me out of there. <laughs> Uh, so if Tim's listening, dude, I'm still sorry about hitting you with the golf ball, but it made for it made for a good story here. So all right, end us with this, Sam. What's the what's the best sixty second travel story, free diving story you can you can give us? So not to put you on the spot yeah, or anything. Damn. Uh You totally put. Yeah, I totally put yeah. him on the spot, uh, Matt. You have a good one loaded. What a, a good free diving story that Sam can dissect. And say everything that you did wrong. Not in sixty seconds. No. Oh, he can dissect plenty of things. I can dissect things I do wrong. Yeah. Don't panic, Finn. Don't panic. If you get Finn. entangled, cut. Yeah. Away. Don't sit there and try to untangle yourself. Yeah. And die with a buddy and be sure they got eyes on you. Yesterday we used uh, at my boat. We had we used our tent cabana thing as our little red. A red flag that we had people in the wall. We went. We were unprepared yesterday. No, please don't share any of these. Details I'm not going to share anything with Sam. I don't. No want, dive flag. I don't want <laughs> no his... visibility. No idea. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to go swimming. That's yeah. all. Yeah. I mean, it's just snorkeling. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's That's just, what I said as it, I was getting in the water. I was like, we're going snorkeling. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just uh, you know. You can die if you push it too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I wasn't going <laughs> so, to. I wasn't going yeah, to. It's not a big deal. Yeah. yeah, I'm not a strong swimmer as it is. So I was like, okay, well, I'm just gonna. Paddle around up top here and look at green water. I bumped into Matt. Matt had his little, <laughs> had his little, his his little spear gun. Yeah, it was it was eventful, nice. but it was really really good for the soul. So I can one hundred percent see how how that played a huge part in your life and yeah. turning you from from hardcore marine machine gunner into. The chill travel dude that you are right now, man. So I appreciate you coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. All right, awesome, great. Matt Evan. Any parting words of wisdom? To share with our audience today, um, we we have to have Sam back because yeah, there's just sure. there's too much good stuff. We were talking about on the break. If, if he brings his journal and kind of writes it out chronologically, that would make a good audiobook just yeah. to hear like that whole journey over five months. Yeah, I mean, very, I, very earnest, earnest Hemingway. I mean, given his family's lineage, we should have like breached the subject of like Freemasons and gone like the, national the, treasure the, route, the Illuminati, like, yeah. yeah, ancient yeah. aliens. Totally. No, I think I think uh, <laughs> Sam is a testament to like not being scared. You yeah, know? he's he's he got out and he's done a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. that required him to like take a leap. Yep, you know, figuratively, literally sailing across the Atlantic. That's terrifying. Starting a business that's scary. You know, going into software sales that's hard. It's hard to be an SDR man. So just you know, Sam is a testament to that. Yeah. To to not letting your service define you, but yeah. also maybe using some of those things to carry forward dude and, I, and I, to that point i think that's exactly the imprint that you're leaving on the world right now to whoever listens to this if it's one people or if it's a million it doesn't matter like if one person hears the message that y- there's no prescription there's like no set path that you have to follow whether that be for military transition or whatever if you're living through a major transition go do the things that you want to do and understand that there's risk associated with it, but you got to go live your life, man. So kudos to you for doing that, dude. Yeah, man. 100%. All right. Awesome. That's going to do it for this episode of Signal Fire Radio. Until next week, go out and feed your mind, strengthen your body, enrich your spirit, and grow your tribe, and go be a Signal Fire in your community. We will talk to you next week. 
catch new episodes weekly and be sure to follow us on social media. Subscribe now and become a signal fire in your community.